everybody that's making like big money, yep. right, in this digital space, they're all doing it through a webinar. So I'm thinking to myself, what the heck is this webinar? <laughs> and that's what we're going to have a conversation about Good. today. Yeah, yeah. So when you think of a webinar, what is it? The webinar that I use the most is a sales webinar. So it's generally 60 to 75 minutes of content. And then after that, you present an offer. It comes from the term online seminar. So a seminar on the web, shorten that to webinar. And there you go. When I'm selling, if I know they're going to say no, if I show you everything and then get a no, where am I going to go from there? Mm. By the way, if I do my whole pitch and I end on price, I have you focused on price. Yeah. If I start with price and end on value, I have you focused on value, value. right? Yes. That's where I want you at because the price is irrelevant, man. For some things, a dollar is too much. And for other things, a million dollars isn't enough. My pitch when I start, I show them the bare minimum. Here's what it is. Here's what it does. Here's why this is awesome. Here's what it should cost. Here's what it normally costs. Here's a special deal for you. If you act fast enough, go here and get it. They're already kind of open to the idea of buying it. They're trying to talk themselves into it. So they're already open to it and they haven't even seen the best part yet. I want them in that frame of mind. <laughs> Everybody else is scared out of their mind, David, because they're like, they're going to, I'm going to ask you for money. You're going to say no, and then you're going to run the other way and I'm never going to see you again. That's what most people believe. But the reality is do a webinar, make your offer and watch how few people leave the first time you ask for their money. Now you're right. There are those jump shippers that'll get off right away. Mm -hmm. But once you account for those, once they're done, look who stays. Welcome to another edition of the Social Proof Podcast. We find dope people that did really, really dope stuff. And I'm excited because uh, I'm another really, really, really rich person, someone who's made a lot more money than me. Uh, Jason Flatland, what's going on, man? How are you? What's up, David? How's it going? Man, I am amazing. We were on a yacht that <laughs> I probably um, didn't qualify to be on. And you were sitting there, and you had a crowd of people around you. And you're already teaching these people who are already making a whole lot of money how to make more money. Mm. And I didn't understand what you were talking about. I had no idea. Like, cause there's certain lingo and language that you all use in the digital marketing space. I'm just a podcaster. I'm not like a digital marketer, but I was so impressed of how you can captivate people who are already making a whole lot of money. So I've been waiting on this conversation so um, you can break it down into layman's terms. Mm, I will try my best. <laughs> <laughs> you will, man. So Jason, introduce yourself. How do you introduce yourself when people say, hey, who are you? So um, they call me the goat of webinars. So that's what I go with these days. Uh, best at webinars. I, I at least have the track record to prove it. We sold a quarter billion dollars through webinars alone, specifically set records in the internet uh, marketing space for launches as an affiliate. And pretty much anybody who's using webinars in the game has learned it either directly from me or indirectly from one of my students who taught what I did for me to them. Really? Yes, sir. A quarter of a billion dollars? Yeah. That's when we quit counting. After that, you don't need to count anymore. Yeah, you don't need to count anymore. <laughs> okay, so what were you selling? You know, it's a good question, right? So our... our our attitude is let's find the very best thing to sell and then build marketing around that. Mm -hmm. So throughout the years, I've sold things such as like how to sell on Amazon before it was cool. Like everybody and their brother has a course on it these days. Mm -hmm. But we were the, uh, the top affiliate for the first, first real course on like Amazon FBA. Uh, I've helped people launch and sell stuff in the financial space. Mostly, though, we look at what's going on in the digital marketing landscape. And what's the thing that will help the most people get the biggest edge right now? I have a philosophy in business, David, like, I don't want to make you better. 
I want you to stay the same but get a better result. Mm. So how do I allow you to stay the same and get a better result? Well, I find better opportunities, better fields for you to play in, um, give you advantages that most people couldn't have. I'm going to give them to you. Um, the analogy is this. Like if I want to make you make more money at poker, I could teach you like how to bluff, how to calculate probability, or I can just put you in a table with a really bad pe- people that play poker. I bet lots of money and suck at the game. Got now, it. you don't get better, but you make more money. So I'm always on the quest of what's the product in the market right now that can take an average person and get them an above average result? And then how can we then make that even better? How do we take the best offer and then make it even better? So that's what we're always doing. And it always changes, man. Got it. So I'm seeing in uh, I'm seeing that a lot of these people are making a lot of money. But the way that they're making money is through... Um, teaching people how to make a lot of money. So yep. all these people are saying, yo, I'm doing a million dollars a month, half a million dollars a month. I'm, I'm meeting these people, right? And I'm like, oh, well, what do you do? And they say, well, I'll, I don't know, their thing might be, I, I help people get into the Airbnb space. Yep. And then through conversation, I realize it's through a webinar. Mm. I'm, everybody just making like big money, yep. right? In this digital space. They're all doing it through a webinar. So I'm thinking to myself, what the heck is this webinar? And that's what we're going to have a conversation about today. Yeah, yeah. So what is a webinar? When you think of a webinar, what is it? It's a great question, right? Because it it could be a lot of different things. Uh, The thing that I'm most called upon to teach and the the webinar that I use the most is a sales webinar. So it's generally 60 to 75 minutes of content. And then after that, you present an offer. Uh, but it could be anything, man. It's it, it comes from the term online seminar. So a seminar on the web, shorten that to webinar, and there you go. The first webinars I ever ran were pure content webinars. I'd go to a very small list of people that I had way back in 2008, and they most of them would only pay me like 5 10 15 bucks for an info product. And I'd say, hey, come to this webinar. I want to train on something. Mm-hmm. And then they would show up, and they would let me train Here's what's great about it. You go on stage and you speak, you get like an hour and a half, right? We on this podcast, you know, we go for however long we typically go, which is not like maybe an hour, 45 minutes, what have you, right? When it's your webinar, you go for as long as you want. And so I would do these trainings and just teach on on a topic for two or three or four hours, just pure content. Three or four hours. Yeah, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they stay. If it's good, they do. Yeah. (laughs) Makes sense. Okay. Yeah. And so I, I, that's a webinar is just any way that you can get people, a bunch of people together in one virtual event where there's interaction going on and predominantly it's training. Generally, that's how it is. So I'm, and this is why I like a webinar. And this is why a lot of successful products get launched off of webinars because it's value first, sales second. Most advertising is, is pure selling. There's no value to it. So you're annoyed by it, but then hopefully it makes up for it when you buy the product mm-hmm. or it's pure content. So it's valuable, but nobody's making money directly off of it. it. And so the webinar is the most efficient way to simultaneously educate and sell in, in the same sitting with the least amount of moving parts. If you're good at it, the challenge is you've got to be both good at, at communication to, to help somebody like educate them. And then you also got to know how to sell people are. Most people aren't good at either. Some people are good at one. Very few people are good at both. And that's the challenging part of the webinars. You've got to be able to, to inform and sell. And then you've got to be able to speak publicly too, which is also challenging for most people. But if you can learn those skills, and I'm confident anybody with something worthwhile to say can learn that, 
then you have an edge over everybody else in the marketplace because nobody wants to do a webinar because they're like, oh, that's too hard. That's too much work. Uh, so if you can master that, it's really, it'll set you apart from everybody else in the industry. I suck at sales, bro. Yeah, man. And I did, I do the webinar because I'm passionate about teaching people all the stuff that I got in my brain and I'm going to help you. Now, at the end of it, I have to ask for the money. And yep. uh, my friend, he said that I, I don't spend enough time on the clothes. Because I'm like, not. ask him, would you like to buy? Mm. No? <laughs> Congratulations to those that did. And then it's over. Yeah. That's wrong. We can fix that very easily. Yeah. Let's fix it right now. All right. So this is the first webinar that I ever did, this framework. Mm -hmm. And I still use it to this day, David. Not as, not as often as I used to, but if I had to teach anybody, I'd start here. Okay. So I always was uncomfortable at first with webinars because I felt like it was kind of bait and switch, especially when I began. Because when I began, people genuinely thought you were just teaching out of the goodness of your own heart, right? <laughs> there was no ulterior motive whatsoever. Uh, and so they, they were like, you lure them in, like, I'm going to teach you something. And next thing you know, oh, you're selling it, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I, I was always uncomfortable with that. It didn't feel right. It felt deceptive. So I, I said, how do I counteract that so I can still do webinars and feel comfortable with it? So when I used to start my webinars, I would start it off something like this. I said, I have two goals today on this webinar. Uh, my first goal is to teach you how to do X, Y, and Z, some big grandiose promise that I knew I could deliver on, but it sounded outrageous. So like goal number one, I'm going to show you how to do X, Y, and Z. Goal number two, I'm going to sell you something. Mm. Now I go, here's the caveat. If I don't make good on my first goal, to do X, Y, Z, show you how to do one, two, and three, then I insist that you not buy anything that I ever offer on this webinar or any other webinar, right? That's hard because it takes the pressure off. Yeah. Now here's the second part. However, if by some small miracle I do make good and actually show you how to do A, B, C, one, two, and three, then you absolutely need to pay attention to my offer that I'm going to make at the end of this webinar. Do we have a deal? Oh. So we just set the framework, man. We got the agenda laid out flat out. All right, let's do some quick math. The less your business spends on operations or multiple systems on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you can keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headache, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. Access from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. It just makes sense. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit from NetSuite? I know you see it. Listen to me. If you have everything scattered in business, you cannot grow. And everything is more expensive when you have more and more processes layered on top of each other, more and more softwares. You got to get out of that. And it, it will improve efficiency and cut costs. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com slash social proof. That's NetSuite.com slash social proof. NetSuite.com slash social proof. 
It's so important that black voices are represented in black media for so many different reasons. And the next generation of black uh, voices and influencers from black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collections, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. And every episode is a living account about what it means to be black today, told from a unique black perspective. From Bobby Smyrta to The Wire, Michelle Obama to reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black Stories, Black Truths. I listen and I'm enjoying these conversations that are for us, by us. Black representation, again, it hasn't always been uh, shared from our perspective. And black perspectives haven't been censored in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the black experience. Here are a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center black voices. It's NPR Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as very nuanced and black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen to the Black Stories, Black Truths on NPR, wherever you get podcasts. I got to blow your mind with value. If I do, I earn the right to sell you. If I don't, then please don't buy. And everybody says, dude, if you can pull off A, B, and C, I'd be happy to consider purchasing something from you. And now everybody's clear and nobody's getting in each other's way and you don't have to worry, am I selling them too hard or am I too uncomfortable? Because they're like, dude, I hope you can sell me something because you got to bring it and that makes your webinars easier to create because now you got something very specific that you can work towards as an outcome. Wow. Why didn't you tell me that? <laughs> no, you didn't. You didn't <laughs> he tell did me. tell you that. <laughs> he's killing it on the webinars and he's just, he didn't, he didn't, you didn't tell me that. I wish yeah. I would have known that. That is good. Yeah, yeah. For especially for somebody with my temperament that doesn't feel like doing a hard sell, but yep. it's almost like it's almost like if I do something good, the audience is almost feels obligated to say, "Okay, yes, I will." I would use that actual word and on my opener, I would say, "Then you should feel obligated to purchase what I have to offer at the end." Wow, obligated, and everybody would agree. That's amazing. Okay, so so I'm I'm starting, and let's talk about the offer. Mm. I don't know if my offer is attractive enough or I have a very niche market. I help, I help uh, podcasters. Yeah. I want to help people get in the podcasting space. I'm really excited about it. Good. My objective is to be, to usher more people into podcasting than anybody else. Cause I think it's a freedom thing. Like you get to get all this stuff off your chest and off your heart and off your head. Um, and you become a better communicator through the process. Yes. However, um, I don't, I can't have, I don't have a promise of money. Mm. Is that going to be a hindrance for a webinar? Not necessarily, right? Um, it's typically a slower burn, meaning okay. that it's easier to sell money at a discount up front. Pay me a small amount of money and get a large amount of money in return. Easiest pitch in the world, right? Um, Long term, that doesn't really matter. What matters is are people better off than they were after they bought your course? If there's a whole bunch of those people, then you can take over that market. You can be the one that everybody ends up going to. So I don't really care if we're selling a result based on money or not on the webinar. Where we start is 
um, always with the limitations. And this is something I do differently than everybody else, David, which is probably why I get a different result. Uh, so if I'm creating an offer with you or if I'm your offer strategist, if you will, right, I would say what prevents people from doing what your offer promises them to do? What would stop them? What would get in the way? Where would they go wrong? Where would they fail? That's where we start when we look at constructing an offer. So do you have an example of somebody that uh, who would try to do what you're going to teach and fail? Like, where would they get caught up? Yeah, so they get caught up of uh, just being nervous to put it out, th- put their voice out there, and nobody likes it. Yeah, yep. So I would want to create a part of the offer that specifically addressed that, right? So how can we make that no longer a valid excuse for that person? And I'll give you, and I'm just making this up as we go along. So these are just examples. Uh, if we were working together, I would help you very specifically. But these days with AI, it doesn't even have to be your voice anymore, right? So it's like if you're concerned about putting your podcast out there, but you're afraid of your own voice or somebody recognizing you, congratulations. That's no longer an issue. One of the bonuses is we're going to show you how to do AI, right? Mm. Um, I would even take it to a different level. We always lean into the objection. Uh, how can we turn it into an advantage, right? So why is how could nervousness be an advantage? Well, it could be an, uh, an advantage because it makes you more relatable. It can be an advantage because people, uh, it forces you to focus more on what matters as opposed to being all slick and all glamoury and working on the gift wrap. You work on more what's inside of the box than the box itself. So we can spin that to an advantage and we can help them understand. Uh, at the end of the day, David, everybody's as big as their biggest excuse. And so if you have an excuse that says, I can't succeed, there's nothing I can do to help you. So I have to remove that excuse. And if I do that, I win more sales that way than any other way that I know how. So if we're looking at your offer, we got to say, what are the three to five to seven biggest reasons somebody would say no when this offer is perfect for them? And then what would cause them to say no? And how can we get them to realize that that's not valid? That's not a valid excuse for them to limit themselves and to stop themselves because they want a podcast. You're selling this to people who want to get out there, who want to have impact, but something's stopping them. We got to remove that obstacle and then we make more sales. So for you is the obstacle is, is the, is the webinars main objective to get them to believe in themselves or Mm. to teach them something. And if there is, If it's both, what's the balance? That's a great question. So I always say uh, our job is to transform, not inform. So a lot of people want to educate on a webinar. And education is not enough. So we need behavioral transformation. That's everything we do. So we teach on webinars, but the teaching always is what can we do to change somebody's limiting behavior? So if this person is afraid to start a business because they're they're scared they're going to fail, how do we make them more scared of not taking action? You see what I'm doing there, right? Yeah, yeah. Give me an example. Give me an example. Yeah, so uh, I'll give you a great example. So let's take webinars, for example. This would also work for podcasts, too, is uh, most people are afraid to do a webinar because what if I go out there and it doesn't work? I fall flat on my face. I look like a fool. People point at me, make fun of me. My career's over, done, shot, right? (laughs) And I tell them, I say, listen, you know what? The first webinar you're going to do nobody's even going to care. They're not even going to show up anyway, right? (laughs) So, dude, you don't have anything to worry about. Trust me, even your own friends ain't going to come to that damn thing, right? (laughs) And so now they're feeling more afraid of of the excuse to hold on to it 
And so they're going to be more likely to take action. That's just one silly example. There's, I stack them. Yes. You want to chop down a tree. You don't just swing at one angle. You, you chop all the way around the foundation and then you can push the tree over, right? So we're chipping away at all these foundational issues with the limiting behavior. But that's the thing is these, these people, here's your average customer, David. This is what I find fascinating. They're not afraid of failure, they're not afraid of success. They're afraid of both simultaneously, right? So, <laughs> hold on, hold on. Hold yeah, on. yeah, let's break let it out. Let me process Run that it back. Real quick. They're not afraid of failure and they're not afraid of success. They're afraid of both simultaneously. Yeah. How, how, does, how is that possible? Explain that. All right. So, uh, there was a therapist named Dr. Milton H. Erickson. Uh, pretty much the father of conversational hypnosis. So one of the areas that I wanted to study when I learned persuasion was I studied Erickson, Ericksonian uh, hypnosis. And there was a story he told, and this really got me to finally understand the principle that I'm talking about to you today. Uh, I had a weight loss client come into him one day, and the issue was um, she wanted to lose weight. But the problem was if she lost the weight, then she didn't have the, the difference of barrier between her and the outside world. So the weight was a cushion of protection. Wow. So if she loses weight, that is scary for her. But she wants to lose weight because she's tired of being overweight. So keeping the weight is scary to her. It causes her pain in certain ways. But losing the weight also causes her pain as well. So both ways, she is afraid. Your average entrepreneur they're afraid of failure because then they're going to get the same thing they've always got. But they're also terrified of success because if I give a new person a thousand new customers, they're afraid of the accountability that comes with that. How am I going to live up to this reputation that I've just created for myself? Here's all the ways in which I can screw it up. So your average entrepreneur at their beginning stages is just terrified. If they win, they lose. And if they lose, they lose. And so we have to help unpack that and reconfigure that in a way that actually serves them and doesn't limit them anymore. And that's every customer I found is they're afraid of both simultaneously winning and losing at whatever you sell. And if you don't fundamentally address that in some way, shape, or form, you're only going to get this much of the market. And we want to get this much of the market. You said you started studying persuasion. <laughs> when? Oh, since I was like three. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know it at the time, right? Do you, uh, do you remember why? I could tell you why, right? So I grew up in a very challenging environment when I was young, right? Just to put it in perspective, like I shouldn't even be here right now, man. Like my mom ended up serving six years in prison for dealing crystal meth. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so when I was younger, I grew up in an environment that was very chaotic like that. Uh, you know, tweakers, as they call them, they would get high. They'd stay up three or four or five days at a time to start to see things that weren't there. And I had to like get a balance in that environment. I had to take over essentially and, and, and make it safe when it wasn't safe. So I had to learn ways to communicate even back then for my own safety. I had to grow up fast. I'm sorry, right? paint this picture for me. Your, yeah, yeah. your mom goes to prison. You were how old? So I was 17 because they finally caught her after all of those years, right? But you were, you were there. Oh, Shoot. So you are, uh, I mean, you're like your whole teen years, you're seeing it. Yeah. yeah. Did you know your mom was? A oh yeah. 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 I mean, she'd smoke it right in front of me. Right. After a while. Yeah. Shit's real, man. Yeah. Wow. What about your dad? Uh, you know, so my, my mom and my dad divorced and I kind of felt like I had to be there for my mom and take care of her. Cause if I didn't, nobody would. 
Uh, so, and I, you know, I wish I wouldn't have in retrospect, because as a kid, that does something to you, man. Like, it really messes with you. It traumatized me, and I, I'm working on it still to this day, which, shout out to everybody listening right now, it don't matter where you come from, right? You can make it work, and I'm proof positive of that. So I, I, would ta- I would try to take care of her and watch her and make sure she was okay. So in a lot of ways, and I didn't even know this, like, I was, I was learning ways in which to make this, the environment as safe as I could, so I was learning persuasion even at an early age without studying it, which probably attracted me later on in business because I'm like, this makes sense to me. This feels safe. I get this. I can do something with this. Can you give me an example of you making the environment safer? Yeah. Um, and this is a story I've never told before. Like, this is, a, this is a crazy story. So I was about 16 years old one time, and it was about 7 in the morning on a Saturday. I remember this very well. And all my mom wakes me up, and... They'd been up all night. It was, it was her, her boyfriend at the time, uh, who also later went to prison with her. He ended up dying in prison. He got brain cancer, right? Um, and then my cousin, whose name was David also, by the way. Interesting. Uh, so they'd been up all night. She woke me up in the morning. She's like, you got to get him out of here, this guy. He's screaming and he's yelling and he's going crazy in the front yard. Uh, and I'm, I'm all pissed off because it's a Saturday at 7 in the morning and I'm getting <laughs> up and I'm a young kid, right? Uh, so I got to go out there and I got to diffuse the situation and I got to figure out how to calm him down so that way he doesn't try to fight my mom or worse yet, he's out in the front yard screaming. I don't want the cops to come, you know, your mom's boyfriend. That's great. Yeah. 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 And and so like I had to go out there and and use my wits to figure out how to diffuse that situation as fast as I possibly could. Right. Uh, in that particular instance, I used to wear glasses back then. I had LASIK, right? He's out there screaming. Uh, I walk out front, and I'm, and I'm like, dude, you need to calm down right now. He looks at me, and he's like, what, you want some? And I, I said, hit me. He's like, what? I go, hit me right now. And he looked at me again, and I take my glasses off. I go, okay, now hit me. And I get in his face, and he doesn't know what to do, so he turns around, and he runs down the street. That's how I solved that problem, right? <laughs> but, you know, I, I didn't know it at the time. Later, I studied, like, neuro linguistic programming, NLP, right? You match somebody's state. So you want to you want to you want to get in rapport with somebody. You don't be calm when they're angry. You get angry with them, and then you do something with it. So I intuitively understood that, and later on, I was able to 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 use it in a better, more successful way. Like if somebody thinks you're overpriced, arguing with over or arguing over them is not going to help. If somebody says, "Oh, that's a lot of money." And you can say, no, nah, it's not really. Let's talk about value. Blah blah. No, you lost them, right? Yeah. You say, "Hell yeah, that's a lot of money." For the wrong person, but are you the wrong person or not? And they're like, damn, am I the wrong person? I don't know if I am or not, right? But we match them first. And so yeah. those are just some examples of how I learned that. But when I got into business, then I just, I noticed there is ways of communication that either bring people towards you or push people away from you. And there's, there's ways you can make people happy that don't make them better. And then there's ways that you make people better and they're often not because you're a nice person or not because uh, you do things that other people won't do in terms of provide value. There's a lot more going on on how people make decisions, and most of it is irrational. Mm, so, okay, you're 17 when your mother goes to jail, Yeah. right? Now what? Did you go to college? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I... I my first job was, I would sell, I'd sell pot because, I mean, what was my mom going to say? Family she, business. She'll, and I could slang it out of the house. You want to talk about a competitive advantage in the, <laughs> in the business world, right? Uh, to other kids in high school, man, 
I was the plug because <laughs> nobody else could slag out of the house, man. And I had the hookups because I knew all the dudes that sold the weed through my mom's and, right. and, and, and my aunt and all of them, right? So, yeah, you're right. So, like, I, I was dealing weed and I was making decent money back then, but I wanted to get the hell out of that environment. So, I went, um, I went to college. I was uh, at Iowa State. I, I grew up in Iowa. And I went there, but I was all messed up, dude. I was depressed. I had panic attacks every day, multiple times. I was agoraphobic, meaning I was afraid to go outside. I was a wreck. Really? Yeah. Agoraphobic? Agoraphobic. 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 Oh, agor oh, you're not agoraphobic. The nah. name is agoraphobic. Yeah, I'm an agoraphobic. <laughs> afraid to go outside? Open spaces, basically. It's the opposite of claustrophobia. Yeah. So, and it's very common with people who have anxiety disorders. I later found out in, in depression and all this kind of stuff. So I went to college just to escape the insanity, but I was broken. And when I got some space where you're not, when you're not in the thick of things, yeah. then that's when the real depression kicks in. Cause when you're in the thick of things, you don't got time to be depressed. You can't stop and think about how messed up it is. Uh, but like, so my mom was running from the police when she took me to, to Ames to Iowa to go to Iowa state. And I'll never forget this because we're standing in a Target and all these other kids with both parents, they're filling up multiple different shopping carts full of all these different stuff they're going to put in their, their dorms. And I turn and my mom starts crying and I, I didn't know what was going on. I said, mom, what's wrong? And she's like, I'm sorry. All she could give me was like shampoo, conditioner, deodorant, and that was it, right? And I was, I was oblivious. I didn't even notice that. But I was glad to be out of that environment. So I go to school for like a semester and a half. I don't know how I did it, dude, but I got really good grades. One way I, I, something I always knew early on in my life, like I knew what the teacher wanted. So I studied the teacher, not the material. I'm like, the teacher likes to grade this. So I've got I have this knack for this kind of stuff, right? Um, I even became a teacher's assistant the second semester, a philosophy uh, class. And I was grading the ex essays and the exams. I was making a little bit of money doing that, even though I was a, a, you know, a freshman, right? So I knew how to work the angles, but uh, I was so depressed that I, I, I was just, I had to get out of there. So it was an Easter weekend. I remember this very clearly. One of my mom's friends drove up there, got my stuff. I didn't have much stuff. Uh, took me back and I moved in with my dad. I just didn't tell him, right? <laughs> he came home because he, he was with this girl at this time. So he'd only come home every so often. And we were driving up to my grandma's for Easter. And my dad's like, when are you going back? Like, I ain't going back. He's like, I didn't think you were. <laughs> and, and so I stayed there, David, till I was like, 20 years old or yeah. longer than that so i was 20 years old and we were doing music um because i'd always done music my whole life so me and a couple friends started to get a, like a, a music career taken off uh and 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 that wasn't going anywhere but one of them was this story gets insane man i Let's like go. I so this is it's, it's unbelievable right but my friend went and he traveled with the Hare krishna the these monks okay. He brought that back. And I was so messed up mentally that I would take anything. So I was like, this sounds interesting. So I became a Hare Krishna rapping monk. I am not kidding you, right? A Hare Krishna what? Yeah, I used to rap, right? A rapping monk? I was a rapping monk. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> the breadcrumbs are out there. I ain't going to show you where to find them. But if you look hard enough, you could still find okay. them, right? So, I mean, the story is unbelievable, but it mm, exists. So sure. I got proof on it. So that changed my whole life. When I became a monk, it really switched me on. Like, it, it helped heal me. It helped get me focused. It, it made me reconnect with the spiritual side, not just all this craziness in this world. It made things make sense. And then I got focused on the music, but the music wasn't going anywhere. So I studied the business of the music. Then when I got into the business of the music, I studied the marketing 
of the business. And I thought, man, this marketing stuff is really cool. So I'm going to learn it, and then I'm going to go apply it back to my music. I just, you know, 16 years later, I still haven't applied it back to the music. Uh, <laughs> but that's amazing. the whole story, man. Goodness yeah. Great. How old were you when you became a monk? I was 20 years old. It's 20 years. How old are you now? I'm 40 years old. 40 years old. So when it seems like you were studying, one, it seems like your gift is being able to communicate with people, right? Whether you knew it or not, right? Yeah. Your, your communication, I would imagine you just had a bunch of friends, people that like you, right? You're getting close to the teacher. and What freshman helps the teacher grade papers? First? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like yeah. where does that come from, right? When did, you, when did you realize, oh, well, this is a gift for me, just relating to people? Yeah, I, uh, so I, I, I had ran out of money while I was trying to start my marketing career and the, the business, uh, the music took everything away that I had. So I started painting houses again. Uh, I, I would paint houses off and on throughout my, since I was a young kid, just to make some money. I'd work with a crew and, and paint. My dad was a teacher. So in the summertime he would paint. So I knew all those guys. Um, so I would go back and I'd paint houses and I'm like, the problem with starting a business was, um, we, I'd spend 10 hours a day driving and working and then driving home 10 to 12 hours a day, six to seven days a week. So I didn't have much time to start a business before or after that. I tried. Uh, so I decided to just do a service. And I think for most people starting off, this is the best way foot in the door strategy is I said, let me just work for other people in marketing and learn it that way. Mm. So at the time, this is 2007, um, publishing articles and article directories online could drive some traffic. And so I was a ghostwriter. I would write articles for other marketers. Mm -hmm. And then that, that allowed me to quit painting houses. And then what that really opened up for me is I developed a system for article writing. And then I just, I always wanted to sell the system, create an information product and publish it. And I went on like six months coming up with every excuse of why. What's up, podcaster or soon-to-be podcaster? Get ready to level up your podcast game because the number one podcast education summit of the year is back, and it's bigger and better than ever. I'm talking about the second annual podcast summit happening on July 4th and 5th in the content creation capital of the world. You already know, ATL, baby. Atlanta, Georgia, going down July 4th and 5th, two full days. Imagine this. Imagine you getting all the game you need to take your voice, your brand, your your business to the next level. Imagine getting all the insider tips. Imagine getting all the know-how that you've been craving for the last two, three, four years where you're talking about you're going to start a podcast, but you haven't yet because you don't have the tools, you don't have the tips, you don't have the tricks. I don't care if you're just starting or you're a seasoned pro. This summit has something for everyone. Picture you mastering the basics of setting up your podcast or unlocking the secrets to grow your brand on social media. We're not just talking about podcasting here. I'm talking about you want to build a long form catalog, whether it's skits, movies. We got people talking about script writing. This is an incredible experience. Imagine, imagine discovering the art of securing these lucrative sponsorship deals. And that's not all. Learn the ropes of creating a pitch deck that has sponsors knocking down your door. Oh, wait, 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 wait. There's more. This isn't just a summit. This is an experience. I'm telling you. Rub shoulders with industry leaders. 
And you got to network with the other people that are doing what you're doing. All the guests that have ever been on Social Proof Podcast, I'm giving them a free ticket. And in exchange, they promise me that they're going to sit down and do short interviews with you. We got podcast booths for our VIP members where you can sit down, pull somebody to a side, and you're going to create content in real time. I know what you're thinking. How do I get a part of this podcasting paradise? Well, it's simple. All you have to do is head over to podcastsummit.com, grab your tickets now, but hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, because I have something really, really special for you. I got a little treat for my early birds, people who take action. The next 20 listeners and only 20 listeners who get your tickets right now, okay? I'm not only going to give you 20% off of whatever ticket level you get, you get 20% off, but if you use the promo code BIGDEAL, It'll take 20% off immediately, but I'm also going to allow the first 20 people t- listening to this right now to be able to bring a friend, bring a teammate, bring a partner for absolutely free. You get general admission, they get general admission. You get VIP, they get VIP. Whatever ticket level you purchase, you get to bring a friend, partner, colleague, boo thing for absolutely free. Nothing extra required. My team's going to reach out to you, get your partner's name, or if you don't have the person you no, right now yet you got time no pressure you get us back but use that code big deal that triggers to let us know you get to bring someone for free so don't wait so you secure your spot at the number one podcast education summit in the country join us july 4th and 5th in atlanta let's turn your podcast dreams into a reality y'all head over to podcastsummit.com use promo code big deal at checkout and get your tickets now don't miss out on the opportunity to take your podcast to new heights take your brand to new heights take your business to new heights with this unprecedented offer okay i'll see you at the summit and don't forget to use promo code big deal couldn't do it (laughs) just like everybody does right and then the fateful day that changed everything is I said, listen, I'm going to create the product in one sitting. I'm just going to sit down. And when I get up, damn it, it whatever's done is done. Really? I'm going to ship it out. So I'm like, well, how do you create a product like that? You just dive straight into it. I was like, you know, all the guys on YouTube now that go straight in, right? I love doing that stuff back in 2007. <laughs> I didn't know any better. No warm up, no right. intro. I was like, you want to write an article fast? Step one, do this. Step two, do this. Step three, do this. There is no step four. It was like six <laughs> pages, right? And I, I was like, so product's done. I don't know how to write a sales letter. So I'm like, I'm going to do that in one sitting. And so I sat down and I was just like, hey, listen, uh, I'm confident I could cut your article writing time in half the first time you use this. It's only four bucks to, to try it out. And damn it, if you don't like that, I'll give you your four bucks back. Go buy it here. So it was the simplest sales letter ever. And I just sold a really cheap product and people bought it. They liked it. They got excited about it. And I said, I can do more of this. So my biggest problem, David, is I could train and educate and help people, but I couldn't do it in a way where I could bottle it up and sell it. it. So I figured it out by cutting down the time in all of the factors that would prevent me from being successful. And if you do that, then the only option left is success. So if I had to create the product in one sitting, what would that look like? If I had to sell it by writing a sales letter as simple as possible, what would that look like? So I started with a super low price point. And then when I proved to myself and other people that that worked, I just started trading up. And it's amazing how quickly you can trade up and go from a very small, very humble success and turn it into a complete industry transforming success in less than a decade. Man. I, I always like to like hear the story because I, I always want to know how people became became so great, and it seems like your backstory, however horrible it is at the time, 
moving forward, like you're saying, I'm still using those scenarios today. So hopefully somebody's encouraged to know, like, whatever situation you're in, you can either, I guess, let it kill you or you can use it, right? With the webinars, what was your first, like, when did you say, okay, I'm going to dive into this webinar Mm, space? Great question. So... I was very lucky. I think a lot of a lot of success in this business, David, is just waiting around until you get lucky. <laughs> no, no joke, right? Uh, most people they hate luck, so they 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 deny it. And if you deny it, you'll never get it, which is ridiculous. Like I love luck, right? <laughs> I want as much luck as possible. For sure. And if I gotta wait to get it, I'll wait. It'll come around eventually. So I saw webinars before they became big. And I knew they were going to become big. I just had this feeling. The problem was they weren't quite there yet. The technology didn't support them. Uh, You do a webinar and there was like a 60% chance that it would crash before you were over with. So it wasn't usable yet. And internet connections were too slow. So I'm like, it's only a matter of time before the technology gets fixed and the connections catch up. So I'm like, let me let me be the first there when the timing is right. And here's the benefit, David, that I have that most of your listeners probably have right now. It's the benefit of being new. Yeah. People think that's a huge disadvantage. Well, I'm new. I don't have a reputation. I don't have any resources that I've developed. No assets, blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. Okay. The, the best thing about being new is you got a fresh set of eyes. Yeah. So like Tesla becomes the biggest in the automotive industry because they weren't in the automotive industry, right? Mm-hmm. Old dog, new tricks. Those two don't mix. And so I, most of the guys that started doing webinars were taking what they did on teleseminars and saying, oh, let's just put some slides to it, yeah. right? Other dudes that were speaking on stage say, it's kind of like selling from the stage, only we'll do it online. Yeah. Since I had no success really in either of those areas, I started with a blank sheet. Yeah. And I said, let me figure this out from the ground up. So I simultaneously was there when, when the whole thing was popped off. Yeah. And I didn't have any previous experience. So it was a question of anything and everything could be tested. And it didn't matter. Uh, I didn't have to make it work right away. Because, like, I'm new. Any, if I made $1,000 on a webinar, I was the happiest kid on the block, man. <laughs> it's like, nowadays, I don't get dressed for less than a half a million dollars. It's stupid, you know? It's like, come on, man. We all need to humble back down. The flex. I like that. I like that. <laughs> all right. So... I, I really need to get into like how it works because it seems like you've you're well read, meaning you study people. And I think most of us, especially myself, we think if we spend enough time on the product, yeah. it will sell itself. And nothing sells itself. In my experience. Yeah. Stuff just doesn't sell itself, right? How give I, w- I wanna know like the beginning from start to finish creating a product to making a half a billion or a quarter of a billion dollars. Where do I go to start this webinar? What are the first things I need to consider? Yeah. So the ideal is sell something that doesn't exist yet. And then have your audience created alongside of you. What? Yeah. So how do you know what is a good product? You only really know once you put it in front of an audience and see how they interact with it. Mm. Anything we create in the laboratory is just a guess but we put it in front of somebody and see what happens. You know, when they stick it up their nose, you're like, okay, we got to stop them from doing that. So let's, (laughs) let's not make it so they can stick it up their nose next time, you know? Uh, So we need to figure that out as fast as possible so we can iterate to the best product. Um, Now with the good news too, is 
then we spend less time on guessing at what the best product is and more time on working with customers, which is where the real action is at. So the best webinar, and I use this still, still to this day over and over again, I have this idea. I don't know if it will work or not. Would you like to find out with me? Here's the good news. If it does work, you're going to get it at the cheapest price ever. And I'm going to give you the most attention because I need to get my hands dirty working with you to iron this out. So I'll never be this available when it comes to this ever again. Uh, now the, tell them that. I tell them that. I said, now the downside is I don't know if it'll work. We might have to teach something three or four or five times in a row. I don't know how many sessions it'll be, right? It's going to be pure chaos. But if you're okay with that, we're taking on a limited test group of people so I can work very hands-on to figure out if this even will work or not. And that's where we start, right? This is beautiful. Why didn't you tell me that? <laughs> you didn't tell me that. You didn't tell me that for sure. That is good. And it's just, you, one, you're making this whole webinar thing more approachable because it's almost like I'm getting a group of people together to build with me when initially I look at it as, oh, wow, I got to get these people together to sell at them. Yeah. So it's with, not at. I like how you put that, right? Like, let's if they're involved in the selling process and the creation process, that in and of itself makes it more valuable because they feel like they're part of the outcome versus I've already come up with the outcome and now let me shove it down your throat, which is what most marketers do. Mm, okay. Okay. So the, the objective is to come up with a product and, um, and I, would, I would imagine what you're saying is don't over promise. Yeah. It seems like in the beginning, you're like, hey, guys, I got this really good idea, and I really think it's going to help you. If it doesn't, my bad. But if it does, yeah. let's keep working together. That's right. That's right. Yeah. You just set me free, Jason. That's all you need to do, David, right? You say, I come up with this idea. I don't know if it'll work or not. If it does work, oh, my God, it's amazing. If it doesn't work, here's all it's going to cost you in terms of time and money. No matter what, it's, you're going to be better off. And I only want to take a small group of people on initially so I can be very hands-on with you. Gotcha. How do how the heck do we get the people to the webinar? Mm. How do we get people to like be in the audience? So here's the ideal. Um, and in fact, I recommend with very few exceptions, everybody does this. You should have an audience already in advance of doing your first webinar. Okay. So you can just push a button and say, hey, all of you over there, some of you should come over here. When you say have an audience, what does that mean? So it's like, if you got a following on social media, that's good enough. It's harder on social media because everybody's all pulled in 16 different directions. I'd rather you have an email list, right? Okay. So like have an email list. If you don't have an email list, find somebody else who does have an email list, work a deal with them. If you can't find that out, get an email list by selling a very cheap product that people can pay money for. And now you build a customer list and then you do a webinar to them. That's the mm. challenge. It's like, if I assume David, that you could very easily get in front of a lot of people quickly right now. Is that fair? Fair to Probably. say? Probably. Yeah, for sure. Like when you do a podcast, people listen, right? Yes. So at one of your podcasts could be, I have this crazy idea. You want to join me at the end of the podcast. I'm going to tell you where to go so you can try this experiment out with me. And then you could get people that way. So I would have them opt in first to something, give them some information and then do a webinar to them after you get enough of them in a room at the same time. Because the problem, if, if there's not enough people on the webinar, there's like a lack of energy. Nobody wants to eat at an empty restaurant. So like you've <laughs> got to bring enough people in. Yeah. And then that energy is powerful in and of itself. So, you know, it doesn't need many. Give me 50, give me 100. 
I can work magic with that. So whatever you need to do to put like a bunch of people in a space all at once, do that. Got it. Until you can do that, don't do a webinar. Get that first and then do a webinar. Otherwise, if you're trying to catch us, catch can, you're spending more time out there chasing people down and now you're out of your zone of genius. You're not in the moment to be able to present to them. So if I am... Hey, y'all, I ain't going to lie, man. They sent me this Yuffie lock. Think about being on a couch. Someone rings the doorbell. Your child left their key at school, and they need you to get off the couch to open the door. Well, you don't have to do it anymore with this Yuffie lock. You can open, unlock, see who's at the door all on your phone. It's super easy to install. You can set up with just a Phillips screwdriver, no drilling required. It's keyless entry so it's no more fumbling for your keys when your hands are full coming from the grocery store 0.3 second fingerprint recognition listen you put your fingerprint on there you don't have, even if you got you got your bags you put one finger out there boop you get to unlock your door that way no battery anxiety you don't have to worry about the battery dying quick charging it's incredible also passcode unlocking and remote control with a 2K clear sight camera so you can see who's at the front door. You're in control anywhere from the app. Enhanced night vision. It's absolutely incredible. No monthly fee either. So unlike other brands that charge a monthly fee, you have you have uh, recordings locally, and you don't have to pay for the storage. Customer support is on 10. Listen, Eufy is on standby for you 24-7 so you can enjoy a worry-free experience with an 18-month warranty. All backed by our professional customer service team. Listen, you can contact them anytime, telephone, email, or live chat. Okay? Listen, you need this Eufy lock. You need to look it up. All you have to do is go to the official website, Eufy, E-U-F-Y dot com. I just... Order mine, okay? I love this product. It is incredible. It's a game changer. It makes life so much easier, right? So if you have a video doorbell already or any smart lock, it's it's, it's, it's time to replace it. It's time to replace it. So listen, search Eufy, E-U-F-Y, video lock. Search Eufy, video lock. That's E-U-F-Y, video lock. Or visit eufyofficial.com forward slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. Okay? You can get a complete control of your front door, your life, back door. Incredible. Okay? So search Eufy, E-U-F-Y, video lock, or visit eufyofficial.com forward slash video lock. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. 
Johnny Nobody. I got yep. no followers, but I have this idea where I don't know. I want to write a book on mental health, and I really want to help people with their mental health. I write a book. I don't have an email address, an email list yet now, yep. but I write an ebook, make it inexpensive, mm. and do my very best to get it in the hands of as many people as possible. That's right. Yep. So I start collecting an email list. That's right. Yep. Okay, that's a good start. The hack to this is you go to somebody and say, dude, I want to work for you for free. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to totally help you out over here with X, Y, Z, 1, 2, and 3. I'm going to make your customers love you even more. I'm going to do all of these things for you that are going to make you look good in exchange for that. Just give me a little bio link, meaning that if people want to know more about me, they can go here and then they can opt in for something. And so you show up and you serve somebody else's audience and you will get an audience as a result of that. You just have to humble yourself enough to do the work for free. Yeah, that's it. Free is cheaper than any other option. In my opinion, if you do that Um, and you know, I would even recommend you work deals with them. Hey, I want to train your audience. Let me get in front of them. Not even to sell them something, not even to get an opt in. Cause by the way, dude, if you get a list of people you can't serve, I don't want you to have that list. Mm. You better be able to serve them, right? So prove you can serve it first. So go and do some service for somebody else. And then if that works, step two is do the service again. Find a way to share in the deal flow with them where you give them a cut, but you do all the work. And then from there, you keep trading up. That's the answer. People want to overcomplicate it. I mean, we could go to Facebook and try to give another, you know, billion dollar corporation and more billions of dollars Mm -hmm. and then push all these buttons and play with all these knobs and levers, right? Or we can just go, where are the people at? How can I help them? Mm, Start with 10, man. Start with five. That's good. Trade up. That's good. Got the product. I'm getting this email list, right? I decide I want to do a webinar. What do I do? (laughs) Uh, yeah. So the first webinar you should do shouldn't be to sell somebody something for most people out there. Now, if you're a successful business, if you've done it in other avenues and yeah, you're probably overdue, you should sell. But if you're a brand new person, the idea is here, Hey, this ebook I wrote over here or this thing I created over there, I want to do, I want to teach it to you in a different modality. I want to try to teach it to you live. I don't know if I can do it or not. I think I can do it. If I can do it, I think this is, this is the way that it will help you, but find out. If I can't do it, at least it'll be entertaining as you watch me flop and flounder around, right? But if I can't do it, you get it for free. I'll probably sell it later. You yeah. get it for free if you're willing to be part of my science experiment. Is this something, Jason, because it seems like all of the people that are saying, hey, follow me, learn from me, are saying, I've got it all figured out. Yeah. I'm Mr. and Mrs. Perfect. Follow me. This is why. Yeah. Is there a psychological reason why you're saying <laughs> to kind of downplay my expertise? Yeah, there's like three reasons. Reason number one is if you say the same thing as everybody else, you're only going to get as good as everybody else. Like I I can Xerox the Mona Lisa. It doesn't make it better. It makes it worse. If I paint a mustache on the Mona Lisa, it definitely makes it worse, right? <laughs> so like I'm not going to fix the Mona Lisa. I'm going to create a different piece of art. So in, in marketing, saying the same thing as everybody else is a huge disadvantage. So be different to be different. Different is better than better. And so that's the first reason. That's reason number one. Reason number two is the psychological component. Most people stop themselves from even starting. And why? They put too much pressure on themselves. So the model I'm giving you takes all the pressure off. Hey, I might screw it up. You want to find out? Mm -hmm. That just makes you a better operator. So that's the second reason. 
The third reason is I believe that it is a stronger marketing communication than the other reasons mm. because people want to be part of something. They want to be part of the creative Got process. It. They love the drama and the tension and the excitement. It's more believable. What's more believable? I will make you successful or I might make you successful. It's more believable. That's so that's how we're breaking it down. Now, this stuff took me like 12 years to figure out, yeah. right? <laughs> Everything is obvious in hindsight. Yeah. But to your point, David, I'm glad you picked up on this. There's a lot of reasoning on how we're positioning it this way. And really, all good marketing is done through momentum. So a snowflake triggers an avalanche. And so we need to, we just need to get the first piece of momentum going. Think about it from this perspective. My biggest marketing campaigns came out of these test groups okay. where they good. we good. Uh, my biggest marketing campaign ever was we took 18 people and we said, I don't know if this will work. You know the spiel, right? Mm -hmm. All 18 of them were successful. Really? Come on, man. You, you could put a D minus marketing student in front of that campaign and they're going to spit out $10 million, right? <laughs> it's like, hey, I got Bugattis in the back. They're only $100,000. You don't have to be a good salesman to sell that kind of stuff. You know, it's like, that's what we did. So it creates better marketing if you can pull it off and you learn faster. You can fail faster if you're going to fail. And oftentimes it's in between. You see something that can make an adjustment and you'll learn more doing that than you ever will studying or listening to me talk. Got it. Got it. Okay. Slides or no slides? Whatever gets the webinar done fastest, right? The first webinars I ever did, David, were on a mind map. I don't even know what that is. Yeah, nobody does it anymore, man. <laughs> I'm like, in, in internet marketing years, I'm 172 years old, man. It's like, I was just clicking things and, you know, expanding and contracting different points, and it was all text. Yeah. yeah. So a good message is a good message. Yeah. So if you have the answer to somebody's problem, whether you put it in a brown paper bag and slang it on the corner or you put it in a museum with all the lights on it, right? The message is still the message. Yeah. So we want the message first before we do anything else. So a life-changing message, you could say that through a tin can connected to a piece of string that somebody holds up to their ear <laughs> and it's going to change their life. Until we have that, everything else is unimportant. So whatever you got to do to get the message in its form to be shippable, we do that. And then we assess. And then if it's good, we go back and now we beef it up. Now we can add slides to it. Now we can build on it. Now we can do other things. But some of my best webinars, David, have been just like this, just talking to people mm. with no slides whatsoever. Yeah. Got it. But do you recommend slides at a certain point, though? I, for most people, slides are going to be their best thing. Give me the psychology behind it. Yeah. So people, they lose 92% of what they hear after they hear it. People lose 92% of what they hear after they hear it. Yep. So if we were to have somebody say, hey, listen, up until this point, without looking at your notes, rattle back 15 things that Jason has said on this podcast. And they'd get to five and then they'd be like, uh, I don't remember, right? Right. And so consciously, now subconsciously, we retain it all. But consciously, we lose 92% of the information the first time we hear it. Here's what we don't lose, the feeling that we had when we heard it. So this is why emotional states are very important. We haven't talked about that yet. Uh, but the visuals that you speak out loud, if you, can, if you say the same thing on a slide with the words and nothing else, it increases their ability to recall and remember it. It, it. it doubles the comprehension rate or more than that. Even if it's literally the same words that you're speaking, but they're also on the screen. Mm. And so here's what's even better about this. And I teach this in my webinars. Um, when I transition from education to selling, I first remind them of all the cool stuff that had happened. Now I do, I call it 60 minutes and 60 seconds. 
So if I just did 60 minutes of my best material, how can I run it back in 60 seconds? Uh, all the all the things, all the highlights, yeah, okay, right? Gotcha. Because I know my audience, no matter what wisdom I was dropping, when it comes down to the pitch, they ain't gonna remember anything I just said, right? <laughs> so I got to remind them of that, right? right? right. I got to remind myself of that. I, I forgot what I was saying in minute one, two, three, and four, and five. And so the slides, here's where they're good. You could say, so far on this webinar today, we've covered, and then you you throw up this slide, you throw up that slide, you throw up this slide, you throw up that slide, and you hit Got 15, it. 20 slides in order. We, we went through this, and I showed you this, and now you know this, and now you know not to do that. And what about this? And remember this and that, that. And so they still don't consciously remember the material, but it mm. re-triggers the emotional state that they were experienced when you showed that material. So slides make good anchors, as we like yeah. to call them. And so you want to have those visuals. Here's the other way slides work really good. Show and tell. So I could say... Uh, I'll give you a great example. I told this to Russell Brunson um, when he was first uh, getting ClickFunnels off the ground. They acquired a bonus, Traffic Secrets is, was the name of the bonus. Okay. Uh, he paid John Reese, the guy who created the product. I'm sorry, they acquired a bonus. What do you mean? Yeah, good question, right? So think about ClickFunnels. What's an objection? Well, I have ClickFunnels, but how do I drive traffic to it? Yes. So, you know, I taught Russell and, and so many other people this concept is your bonuses should handle the objections. Mm -hmm. And so one of the objections, you need traffic. So he went out there and he acquired a course, the rights to a course that somebody else had created called Traffic Secrets. Oh, wow. Yeah, a guy named John Reese, who's an OG in this game. He was the first million dollar day in this business, right? Back when wow. that was a lot of money, right? Uh, <laughs> Good job. And, and so, but Good he, job, paid, Smart. he paid John a million dollars for this bonus. Mm. Here's what I told Russell to do. I said, show the money. He said, what do you mean? I said, show the damn wire transfer, put it on a slide. Because now Russell can say this, this bonus was so important that I went out and spent a million dollars of my own money. So the value of this bonus to me is worth a million dollars and you're going to get it for free when you buy ClickFunnels, right? Mm. But it's one thing to say, I paid a million dollars for it. It's another thing to show the receipts, yeah. right? I was talking with Alex Hermosi about this the other week because he called me up. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. 
Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Because he's like, dude, Jason, you're the best in the world. I know what offers. And the guy wrote the best-selling book on offers. So cool, right? <laughs> uh, and, and he was like, and he was talking about something. He's like, and I'm going to show the receipts like you talked about. I'm going to show yeah. this thing that I'm doing right over here. I'm like, that's my boy right there. Wow. So, so take what you're saying and show the proof. Yeah. Here, here's my attitude. I want to, you know, if you're on trial for a murder you didn't commit, David, and we got 26 witnesses that could put you at a different place. Mm-hmm. And if I'm your lawyer and say, ah, we'll just call two of them. That should be good enough, right? <laughs> you better fire my ass quick, right? right? We're calling all 26 we'll witnesses. All. We're calling them all. For sure. So we're going to bring as much proof as we can to validate the claims we make on the webinars. And that's the biggest mistake I see people making. Mm. So from a visual aspect, show as much as you possibly can. Got it. Got it. Okay. So um, I, I think you said earlier that the webinar should be 60 to 75 minutes. Content. Of content. Yeah. And then what's the other part? The best part. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, we close, right? So here's the, here's the dynamics. It's generally, I run out of slides about 90 minutes in. So you do your formal offer where you say, this is my program. This is what it is. This is where it does. This is what it should cost. This is the special deal you get if you act fast enough by going to this URL. When you go to this URL, you get these bonuses. Here's the risk involved. Here's how we remove the risk. You know, that's your structural formal close, right? But then here's what happens. You got all these people still on the webinar who ain't left yet. And you got a chat and they're still communicating in it. And that's when the real webinar starts. So we're 90 minutes in and that's when I I think the real webinar begins. That's where the the real webinar starts. That's where the real money is made. After you made the pitch and people are still waiting. Yep. Because some people get off as soon as the pitch comes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Good riddance. (laughs) I mean, dude, man, some people, you could could open up the the path to heaven for them and they would complain that they got to climb the stairs to get there, you know? Is like, we don't sell for the people that don't understand the value of anything. We sell to the people that get it. So gotcha. I'm not even trying to save those fools, you know? Um, if you get offended by me trying to sell you something, then you've sold yourself on something, which is the value of nothing. Mm. And we work with the people that get it. So most people, here's, here's the truth. And everybody gets this wrong, which I love it. Uh, and I teach people this. And all the time they go, I can't believe that word, Jason. I'm like, why can't you believe that word, right? <laughs> I've taught this stuff for 10 years now. Why, why wouldn't you think otherwise? Because one of the techniques I teach is you, you, you drop the price and you do your first call to action like five minutes into your pitch. Here's what most people do, David. They, I'm sorry, say that again. Yeah, yeah. This is super important. You do the call to action five minutes into the pitch. When I'm selling something, when you thought you've seen 100% of it, I've only actually shown you 10% of it. So I, I show you the whole offer. You think you know the deal. I say, go here to sign up. Here's what, it, here's what the investment is. You think you know the whole deal, right? Because why not? I've just given you the call to action and the price. Right. You don't know 90% of my offer. I haven't even made it yet. Give me an example. Give me an example. Okay. Because this guy definitely didn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Justin learned it from me, right? He he got it. And and Justin can speak. Nobody else does this but me, right? And they do it because they learned it from me. People are biologically programmed to say no almost always. 
even if it's the best thing ever for them. People want to say no as a defense mechanism. If you live off the people that only say yes as soon as you put something in front of them, you're going to make this much money. The real money is made from the, those that, that start with no and then turn into yes. Okay, So if I know no matter what I do, you're going to say no anyway, I want you to get that no out of your system right away so mm. we can get down to business, right? So, so we can actually unpack it and figure out if it makes sense or not. So they say a person needs to say no on average 26 times before they say yes to something. Golly, the whole webinar will be over. Well, so I do 26 calls to action <laughs> <laughs> so they can get 26 no's out of the way. Do and then you I, really? Oh, hell yeah, dude. Yeah, we ain't playing around. There's lives and money to be made here, right? There's lives to save and money to make. We ain't playing around. You have 26 opportunities for them to tell you no. Yeah, yeah. And your objective is to hear the no. Hell yeah, man. Yeah. No to me sounds like this. K-N-O-W. Like, I need to know more information. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that. So when I'm selling, if I know they're going to say no, if I show you everything and then get a no, where am I going to go from there? I got nowhere to go. By the way, if I do my whole pitch and I end on price, I have you focused on price. Yeah. If I start with price and end on value, I have you focused on value, oh, right? Yes. That's where I want you at because the price is irrelevant, man. For some things, a dollar is too much. And for other things, a million dollars isn't enough. And so I got to put it into proper perspective so you can understand that. So my pitch, when I start, I show them the bare minimum. Here's what it is. Here's what it does. Here's why this is awesome. Here's what it should cost. Here's what it normally costs. Here's the special deal for you. If you act fast enough, go here and get it. And that's the first pitch, right? And, and, and that's the call to action. And people think they know the deal. They think, okay, well, if I spend $2,000, I get this. And then they start to play this mental jujitsu. I, I want it, but it looks good. So they're already kind of open to the idea of buying it. They're trying to talk themselves into it. So they're already open to it. And they haven't even seen the best part yet. I want them in that frame of mind. <laughs> everybody else is scared out of their mind david because they're like they're gonna i'm gonna ask you for money you're gonna say no and then you're gonna run the other way and i'm never gonna see you again that's what most people believe but the reality is do a webinar make your offer and watch how few people leave the first time you ask for their money now you're right there are those jump shippers that'll get off right away mm -hmm. but once you account for those once they're done look who stays most people will stay wow okay so are you saying after you give them the offer that's not the real offer. Nope. Dude, who's your favorite comedian? <laughs> so good. Uh, I would have to say Dave Chappelle. Oh, yeah, me too, man. Yeah. Does Dave Chappelle leave with his best joke or does he end with his best joke? Definitely ends. Because he'll like, he'll somehow wrap the whole yeah. hour special. In the fourth time joke. I met OJ, right? right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right, 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 he right. builds up to it. You end with your best material. The rest is a setup. The rest is the setup to the punchline, right? Every good comedian knows you save your, your best material for the end, or you try to. So you start hot and you end hot. And that's what we do. We start hot, but we end even hotter. And so my best stuff is the bonuses. It's mm. not the core offer. And we end with the bonuses. We end with the value. So that's the stack. That's the pitch. And then even after that's done, people need to know, now, should I buy this or not? So 90 minutes gets us all the way there. So, you know, 75 minutes of content and then 15 minutes of the formal pitch. Here's what it is, what it does, blah, blah, blah. And then you got a whole bunch of people who still, they've only said no four or five or six times at this point. Now we deal with objections, which is where the real difference is on whether somebody buys or not. A, a, a sell that's 99% closed is worth exactly $0. So we got to get that 1%. And that's why we stay on for those extra hour, 
two hour, wow. three hours, four hours in some instances, depending on if the audience is still there, depending on if I got enough energy or not. Yeah. This is so good because I think when I was doing my offer, I'm telling all the stuff that's in it, all the bonuses. Nobody cares. Why you need to get it. Nobody cares. Get and I'm 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 looking to see how many people bought right now. Yeah. But that's too early to expect money. You're planting the tree and then you're wondering why it didn't grow in the next minute, right? We gotta give it time to grow. Wow. Yeah, yeah. This is this is deep stuff here, man. This is Real psych? You study psychology a lot? Yeah, that's what I went to school for for the one and a half semesters I made. It. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is really really good. Thanks, man. So you know, I, I was I was actually on the phone with somebody. Who was it? And they were talking about um, like making an offer, but it's like her first offer ever. And she's like, ah, I feel like it's manipulation. Is it? Here's the cool thing. If she, she felt that way, right? This is how I would coach her if she was my student. Mm -hmm. I would have her say on the webinar, I'm about to make you an offer right now. Here's the problem. I'm afraid that what I'm doing is manipulation. And I'm concerned that if I make this offer, you're going to look at me as somebody who's manipulating you. And that's a problem because I don't want to do that. So here's my issue. If I don't make you this offer at all, I simply can't help you any further. I have to hope you do it on your own. Or I have to run the risk of being viewed as a manipulator, but still try to make you the very best offer I can. So if you will put up with me as I try to do my best here and hopefully I don't manipulate you, would it be okay if I showed you what I had? But most people argue that even that is manipulation. It's you know total I mean? like, manipulation, the, yeah, the, right? The fact, the fact that like, there's a certain way that I have to do something to get the result from you. Now, yep. now I understand it, right? Mm -hmm. And it's uh, uh, I know I need to be manipulated to get me to do something. Yep that I otherwise wouldn't do on my own. So like if you look up the word manipulation in the, the dictionary, it says to turn something into something else, essentially. It doesn't have a moral or ethical connection to it. We hmm. attach it because we often see manipulation only when it's done nefariously. Or that's the ones that remind us the most. But, uh, you know, I got two kids, right? And if I don't manipulate them, they're going to manipulate me, right? That's a fact. Somebody's <laughs> going to lose in that situation, right? They're either manipulating me to eat candy and stay up all night, right? right? right. Or I'm manipulating them to eat vegetables and go to bed early, right? right? right, right. And so, so manipulation is if you want to be successful, you have to manipulate yourself from a lower state of being into a higher state of being. The, the real issue here isn't manipulation. The real issue here is authenticity, and so when somebody's selling, very often the resistance they have to their audience is they feel like they're being inauthentic. That's the real issue. It's not it. manipulation, it's inauthenticity. So we train people to be authentic and still sell. So people that are afraid to sell, what I always coach them to do is tell your audience, I'm scared to sell you right now. Yeah. If you hear my voice crack, if you see me shake and shiver, it's because I'm scared out of my mind right now. <laughs> but, the uh, but I'm willing to put my own personal comfort on the line because what I have to you is that important. Yeah. And I tell them, I go, I wish I could close like that. I can't close like that. <laughs> I would sell better if I could close that way because yeah. we're taking what is true about them and communicating it in a way that can land as strong as possible with the audience. Wow. Yep. Let's talk about uh, pricing structure. Mm. Do you charge for a webinar or should it be free? Free, yeah. Free? Definitely. Definitely. Uh, yeah, I mean... 
I remember There's when, never a case where it should be. Not never a case, right? There's certain instances. Sometimes you want to mix it up just to mix it up. If you do too many free webinars, people start to predict you. You want to be unpredictable, so you should charge for certain webinars some of the time. But in general, most of your webinars should be free because I would rather get the audience in the door and then do my best to show them up front that I'm valuable yeah. and then sell them something. The risk is on me. Okay. If somebody pays me up front, the risk is on them. So yes. as much as possible, I'm trying to incur as at risk on the behalf of my audience as I possibly can. Um, but, you know, what, what I always tell people, David, is whatever gets the webinar out the door fastest. Yeah. If you want to charge, charge for it. They say, oh, Jason, should I use this platform or that platform? I say, I don't care, dude. <laughs> can people see you at your best right now? Yeah. Can you help people? That's the answer. Whatever gets you in front of an audience as fast as possible. So pay or free. But usually free will do better than paid. Got you. Um, every webinar should have an offer at the end? No, not necessarily. Um, you should do webinars that train as well, but where you put the most effort into are the webinars that do have offers at the end. There should always be a call to action at the end. If the call to action is go here and, and do this thing, right. not buy this thing, you should always give direction on what to do next, not just dress people up with no place to go. Got it. Got it. Okay. And let's talk about this offer the back end. Where we're at right now in the space, um, or or how much should you? How much should that back and offer be? If that's the right question, it's a good question. Uh, I'm different than most people in this space, David, and I'm not saying it's for strategical consideration. A lot of businesses, it's your planet. You should make up your own rules, right? So the money only gets you this far. Yeah. Like you want to do it in a way that serves you and makes you feel good. So I'm a kind of guy that if I'm going to sell you something, I'm going to sell you something. I'm not going to chunk it into pieces and string you along and have upsells and downsells and cross sells and all this kind of stuff. I also have massive ADHD. So there's too many pieces involved for my <laughs> mind to handle it all short circuit, right? So I don't do much back end stuff. Uh, I just capture the, the thickness of the market right in one swoop on the front end. Right. Uh, but most people can't do that. They're going to need a back end. Yeah. They're going to need somebody to take a step, not just jump to the top. Um, and so in that particular instance, a good rule of thumb is 10% of 10%. So whatever your audience is, 10% of that audience will pay 10 times as much. So I said it's 10%, 10x for 10%, okay? 10 x 10% of your audience will pay 10 times as much for something if it's just slightly pointed more specifically towards them. Okay. Okay. So, and I can give you examples. So 10% of a podcast audience who paid you $2,000 would pay you $20,000 if you made an offer specifically just for them. So if you think about it, you sell a thousand people, uh, your, your podcast training, a hundred of them, or maybe even only 10 of them, um, they're already successful in some aspect or they've already got something going for them that nobody else does. So if you cater specifically to that audience within the audience, they don't need much. They just need something specific that can help them. So what do rich people need more than anything else? Time. Time. That's exactly right. So if we take your core offer on the front end and we find a way to make it 10 times faster, they'll pay 10 times as much money for it. Mm. Okay, so what's a good number? Like, is there... And I think I saw it somewhere before, like there's a sweet spot of a sales. Like if I'm coming to you and say, Jason, okay, I want to help people. Yeah. Um, and whatever number you tell me to make the offer, I'll make it and we'll pack that offer with value. Yep. What should that number be? What's a good range? 
Yeah, so there's always price ceilings in any industry to sell in mass where you're not getting on the phone one to one. If you're starting off, I want you to be under that price ceiling by a little bit because if you overprice, you're screwed. I'd rather you underprice and then raise the price because you still got momentum and you still got you you made people a really good deal. You've taught people that buy from me sooner is better than buying from me later, right? Uh, so I, I prefer to go under the bar and then raise the price when it's obvious to me that the market and the value is there. But as quickly as possible, we want to hit that price ceiling. So in most markets that you're selling results for, $2,000 is your price ceiling in mass. So, oh, okay. so we say, how do we make a $20,000 offer and somehow get it down to $2,000, yeah. right? Not Most people do the opposite. How do we take as little as possible and inflate it to $2,000? So we, get, we go from an impossible offer to a barely possible offer. Yeah. We know the price threshold is $2,000. For whatever reason, you get over that and people act weird about it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, people are people. It's funny, right? Yeah. And so that's where, we, that's where we try to start at as fast as possible is at the upper threshold of what the market can bear in mass. Yeah. And then we do try to break it. Then we see, can we break past the price ceiling or not? But we don't do that until we hit the price ceiling first. Got it. Got it. Okay. Um, one, I, I think I want to do a, another interview with you. I want to like try some of the stuff. Yeah. And then come back and tell you what isn't working. How many, do I need like a, a thousand slides? How many you got? How many slides you got? <laughs> 350 slides. Yeah, baby. The more the better or? Yeah. Here's wow. the problem, David. You're not going to start there probably. I'm sure Justin didn't start with 350 slides. Did you start with 350 slides? How many did you have? Like yeah. 100? 100? Most people start year. with about 100 slides, which ain't enough, but it's better than nothing, right? Here's the rule of thumb. One point per slide. And so if you ever see a slide with like three bullet points on it, that should be three slides with one bullet point on them. Really? Yeah. It's just, I don't even do it because it's like, I don't floss twice a day either, even though I know I should, you know, it's like <laughs> sometimes you got to get it out the door, but ideally the more slides, the better. But remember what I said earlier, start with the message first, have a rock solid offer, a really good message. And then you want to break it down and have many different slides. You want to ideally have motion, something happening on the screen that's changing mm-hmm. every three seconds really yeah so when i get to a point i'm talking about the thing the thing yeah i, I don't leave it there for three seconds so you're saying that bam the, the bam bam yeah oh or all of the stuff that i'm talking about as it regards to this slide should be broken up into like 20 more slides because of what i'm saying Mostly, yeah. So it's like, even at the beginning, if I say on today's webinar, we're going to discuss this, that's a slide. We're also going to discuss that, that's a slide. We're also going to break down blank, that's a slide. We're also going to uncover blank, that's a slide. Like four slides right there. And how fast did I say that? Just like that, right? Yeah. Why? Why? Because when you, most of us grew up watching TV, right? The kids Mm -hmm. today don't even watch TV anymore. It's even worse, right? right? But the average programming in television was to have a camera angle change every three seconds. Oh, wow. And that's where they've learned that that typically will keep engagement at its highest when they're always changing camera angles every three seconds. And so we never quite get there because you think these TV shows are produced with a whole team of people. We're like, most of us are lone solopreneurs, but we want to have movement as much as we possibly can. So bam, 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 bam. If you don't do it any other place, do it in the first two minutes of your webinar because people make a decision within the first two minutes whether they're going to stay or not for a majority of your webinar. So if there's ever movement, it should be right away. Now, David, if you watch webinars, they do the opposite. The first minute and a half, they sit there and they just talk, yada, 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 blah, 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 on a title slide forever. 
boring, yeah. right? <laughs> it should you should grab them by the throat within the first two seconds of that webinar starting. Got it. We were on this boat again that I probably shouldn't have been on. <laughs> and um, I asked you a question because you said you you work with people who have an offer already. Yeah. And then you come in and you do the presentation or you do the pitch or what? Sometimes, yeah. Okay. And I was talking about your audience and my question for you was, have you done it with a black audience? No. And you said you want to. I do, yes. And do you think there will be a difference in strategy? Yeah, absolutely. How so? Uh, I don't know if it was Justin I was talking to. It might have been Tez I was talking to. Uh, another. Your student's guy. Yeah. Lee, yo, everybody's yeah. killing it. All right. Can I yeah. be a student first off? Yeah, for sure. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go get the book. Order the book. What's the book? One to Many. One to Many. That would be the first, the foundational yeah. thing. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Order One to Many. One to many. Let's order it. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. So I was telling, I was telling Tez, and this is hard for me to communicate, David. So I, I it's going to be very delicate okay. here, and I'll probably say <laughs> stupid stuff right. that I don't mean because it's very, it's a very complicated right, right, right. subject, I right? I but I, 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 you know, Black Wall Street. You know, Black Wall Street, right? Mm -hmm. Tulsa. Yeah. I said, bring some of that into the presentation, man. Speak to the audience. Yeah. From that perspective, because yeah. that's a unique perspective you can bring in that nobody else can bring to that audience, right? right. So bring them back to that. Pull that into that. Bring those stakes up. Mm -hmm. Take it to the next level, you know? Uh, I told I used to do this, David. When I was learning how to speak, I studied Martin Luther King speeches. Yeah. I used to have portions of I Have a Dream memorized. And I'm like, I want to speak like that. So bring that because that's what the culture is used to. Yeah. I want to communicate to the culture in the way that they're used to being communicated within the confines of what I can say to it, right? Like I can't talk about being a medical doctor because I'm not a medical doctor, right. right? But as much as possible, if I can speak not just in content to the communication, but to the context of the audience, the better I'm going to be. And so I, and I, I told Tess, I'm like, that's something you can do that nobody else can do. I can't do it. All of these old white guys that are running the game right now, they can't do that. Yeah. So you have an advantage that they don't. So use it. Gotcha. You know? Okay. And so there's, and there's many of instances, most of which I talk privately to him that yeah. I don't feel comfortable right, bringing right. up publicly because <laughs> sure. I will say it in a way that will be taken out of context, right? They'll take that one clip and now you're already. Yeah, they will, right? But, <laughs> but I brought it to, I brought it to him like that. And I, I was like, these are the things that you could put in your presentation that are missing right now. And people would resonate with give that. Give me one. Give me one. Yeah. So this like safe space. you talk about Jim Crow laws, right? Yeah. And the segregation between, you know, Black people can only drink out of this water fountain and white people can only drink out of that water fountain, right? Hmm. Information has been discriminated for, for, for centuries the same way. And the oh, internet yeah. has changed that. The internet has democratized information in a way never seen before. So you take people who are oppressed and you give them the opportunity the only thing that will stop them is their belief that they're still oppressed. So, you know, the whole flea in a jar, you take yeah. the lid off and it can still only jump this high. All you got to do is show them now the, the lid's off. Now you go at it, right? Yeah. That is, uh, that's real. But the that's information real. is now available when it wasn't before. Yeah. And now you have that. And so people like Tess can break that through, right? I mean, and then you can get to the other levels. And again, we got to be very careful here, right? Is like, 
who are the best basketball players of all time, right? All of all of us. <laughs> there you go, right? And yeah. I mean, and we could just go down the line and 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 who who are the influencers? Who are who are the leaders in in culture and in fashion? Look at the top ten right now. Yeah. I mean, look at what hip hop and R and B have done yeah. for all of music, and even sure. before that with rock and roll, right? So, so you can make the argument that you are at a huge advantage on social media, on Instagram, on these different platforms. They're more suited to the culture you grew up in. So you are now for the first time in your life at an advantage over everybody else. I got it. So don't squander it. That's the message that I would come if I was him, right? You've been given a gift that has never been seen before in history. Don't squander it. I got it. Yeah, man. Now, I can't say that as a white guy on a <laughs> webinar, right? But I could help Tez unpack that. Yes. Yeah. I got it. Especially for like the space that I'm in in terms of like podcasting, our voices have been so restricted for so long. And it was a point where if you wanted to get to the masses, someone yeah. in an office would have to say, you're going to be the DJ. You're yeah. going to be the radio host. You'll be the voice. Somebody has to point to you and say, you can have it now. Yeah. But now it's not like that. So I think, and maybe some people will look at it as uh, manipulation, but I think we need to wake up and realize that we didn't always have the privileges yeah. that we have now, and we still don't have the privileges that you think we have. Agreed. Absolutely. So pointing out these, like, making it a real conversation, not just this is what you're going to get at the end of this. That's exactly right. That's yep. good. Yeah, we, I call that a holistic viewpoint. So we bring in everything we can, not just the tactical, not just the, you know, here's what you can do to build an e-commerce brand. Here's what you can do to build a clothing brand, right? We bring in all the stakes, not just a portion of the stakes, because that's how people end up making decisions at the end of the day. It's not what moves them up here. It's what moves them down here. So we need to get this content in, but too much of this content is being created here. And then you know what does? Everybody copies it. It's like, where's the yeah. advantage to that? You know? Wow. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. You didn't think we we're going to go there today, did you? I had no idea. And I, well, I guess I never know where I'm going to go with a conversation, but this is really good. This is really, really good. Thanks, man. Okay. So, uh, your book, um, tell, like, tell us about your book, how long you read it, what was the success of it? Cause I do want people to go buy the book. Like we don't have like something to offer. Like you don't have a webinar to offer right now. Right? No, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> I actually was like, yo, okay. There's a sales guy. Okay. Which means he has some sort of offer. And uh, Neil was like, yo, he doesn't. He's like, yo, he just wants to get the information out to people. That's right. And I really, really appreciated it. David, really I've been wanting to do this for you know how long, since yeah, we met in Miami, right? For sure. Yeah, so the book One to Many, like Kindle, I think is 10 bucks. It's the synthesis of something that I created originally from a $5,000 in-person training. My philosophy is get the rich to pay for the poor. So you take a bunch of multimillionaires and say, listen, you can wait for six months for me to write the book and pay 10 bucks for it. Or you can pay me 5,000, I'll put you in a room and I'll teach it live. Mm -hmm. And so the book, the reason why it's been so successful is because it came from a $5,000 program. So in a $5,000 program, you create a framework because you got to train on it in a way people can take action, like yeah. step by step. It's a workbook more than anything. Sure. It's a workbook that acts like it's a business book. And so that is the book, one to many. One, the main reason I'm out here in Atlanta is because a lot of young black entrepreneurs bought that book and were killing it and passing it around, telling each other to buy it. And I do, I go to where I have the most impact. Yeah. And so all these guys are like, dude, I'm making a million dollars with this book. I'm making a million dollars. So I'm all, I'm like, I'm going to come out to Atlanta yeah, then, right? Sure. Let me help some more guys make a million dollars. You didn't tell me to get the book. <laughs> did you? No, you did. No, you did. But, uh, 
Stop trying to hide all the secrets, man. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so one to many. Is it a big book? Little book? Yeah, it's big. It's like 300 and some pages. It's got 160 different images in it, something like that, because I'm showing slides. If I, you know, show oh, so not like tell, slides. right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so like, it's not a whole bunch of small words. Like, oh, there's a the lot Bible. of words in there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the, I'll tell you, David, what people like the most is I, I do word for word closes. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'll give you one as an example, right? So it's like, this is a transition close people have trouble with. Like if I'm going to teach and then I'm going to sell, they don't know how to bridge that gap. So one of the closes that I use is I say, I'm faced with two choices today. Choice number one, I can just leave you and hope and pray that somehow on your own, you find your way and you're successful yeah. at this. And I cross my fingers and say, good luck. That's my first choice. Or choice, choice number two, I can give you anything and everything I have at my disposal to help you to take an active role in your success, to be accountable to your results. And if I did make you that option, I'd have to charge you for it. Yeah. Given the decision between option one and option two, I choose option two. Here's what it's about, right? And and I'm, I'm doing this off at of the top, right? Yeah. But I literally have better scripted words, word for word exact on how to say that. I've had people, David, that have printed out the closes in the book, have held them up in front of their audience and saying, my coach, Jason Fladlin, this is how he would sell you. I'm just going to read it word for word. And they close that way, man. It's crazy, dude. Wow. Yeah. So there's pages and pages of closes in that book. Yeah. Goodness. Okay. Did we get it? Did you order the book? Okay, good, good. Okay, we got we got the okay. I'm listen, man. Headed to this million dollar a month uh, because I and I think I'm the right person to be able to do this because I really love like. I, and some people say it as sales, but I love helping people, and I want to be like legendary when it comes to uh, ushering people into this podcasting space. So. You're already legendary in my mind. Thank you, Jason. Yeah, I man. appreciate it, man. Listen, let everybody, well, thank you so much. There's so many things I didn't get a chance to cover, like uh, the affiliates, the, like how you connect with other people who have offers, like I, which leads us into part two. Okay. Mm -hmm. You will have a part two. Yes. Yeah. Okay, cool. Based on the success of this podcast. Okay. So make sure y'all share this with people. So it's really successful. And he says, Hey, I got to come back on that show. So Jason, let everybody know how they can connect with you, man. And, um, yeah. Oh, last thing. Where do you see yourself in the next five years? Only reason I'm asking that is because I want to be able to watch this five years from today and turn it on and say, listen, Jason said he was going to do that five years ago. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm just trying to, to be as strategic as possible these days. So my goal is to help the next group of people come through, be a mentor for the next market leaders that exist, because I don't want to work as hard as I did the last 20 years to get where I'm going, right? I just don't have the energy anymore. So I want to find ways where I can get 10 times the result with one tenth of the effort. So I see that by helping people like yourself and your audience. And then that creates the deal flow for me. If I can make you successful, you open up a door I couldn't open up. And then together we can walk through that door. That's what I'm all about. I love it. Jason, let everybody know how to find you and close this out with a word of wisdom. Man. Yeah, find me on YouTube. That's what I'm trying to do right now. You want to watch somebody starting fresh and not know what they're doing? <laughs> watch me there. Go subscribe. There's Love gems it. there. There's for sure gems. And and the last piece of wisdom that I'll leave you with is remember this. If somebody's dying and you need to throw them a life raft, don't worry about the logo on it. Don't worry what color it is. Don't worry what you're dressed in and how you come across. Throw them the damn life raft. So if you got a message right now that can help somebody, Every minute you delay in putting it in front of them is a minute you allow them to continue suffering. Dang, that's good. 
Man, that was so good, man. Thank you so much, man. Uh, I appreciate it. I want to say thank you on behalf of our audience because there's some people that's going to take this information. And I think it was well-rounded, not even like webinar stuff, but like understanding people and human psychology. This was amazing. So, man, listen, y'all. Make sure y'all go follow Jason Flatland on Instagram, YouTube. Go check it out. Send him a DM. Let him know he y'all like this episode. DM them the takeaways, all of that kind of stuff. But also go get you some social proof, meaning go build something really, really special. But it is your obligation to come back to your community and teach them how you did it. It's, our, it's the only way our community grows. We are out of here. Like, subscribe. Peace.